Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. It's funny, we, we were away. I, 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 who was speaking last week? Adam? He did. Oh, the week before, yes, that's right. And the podcast launches on Tuesday at 7 p.m., by the way, um, is when it'll, it'll drop, so make sure you get it. Uh, no, we were, in, um, we were in Switzerland, and it was great. We met up with, you know, churches that were sort of aligned to, you know, Josh and Tara and uh, Marcel, Cody, all those people. But, you know, it was dead funny. Like, there's just, <laughs> there's just some things where you go, like, we met loads of people who don't speak English, and that's not a problem, because my Hungarian is a wee bit rusty. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not going to judge anyone for, for their English being a bit wick, because there was this Hungarian guy, and he was a lovely guy called George. Well, that's not what his name is. His name is something else. But in English, it kind of looks like George. So we went with, and George and his missus didn't have a word of English, but they were giving us a lift backwards and forwards, which is really awkward, you know, when you're in the car with people and they don't speak English, until we discovered we had common ground, right? So we're giving the, the whole, yo, ha, ha, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, there's only so much you can do of that. And then, then we discovered, like, we were driving along, and all of a sudden I heard Robin Mark being played, Right? And this guy is Robin Mark's number one Hungarian fan, like in the whole world. <laughs> like seriously, he started to say, revive us. So he's giving it full Jesus. And I'm going, keep your hands on the wheel, George, or we're going, to be, we're going to be seeing Jesus way quicker. He's giving it all that. And I'm going, he's not holding the wheel, Penny. And you could say that out loud because he can understand you anyway. I'm going, tell him to hold the wheel. Tell him to hold. And he's giving it full revival. And uh, he's listened to that album for 20 years and loved it. And I was like... It was funny. So I texted Robin, actually. He's a, he's a, he would be a friend. So I texted him and said, Here, Rob, I'm in the car with a mad Hungarian who loves Jesus and loves revival. And we're blasting the record this morning on the way to church. And he just replied, Well, flip, at least someone's listening to it anyway. <laughs> so it was quite funny. So you ready to receive this morning? Okay, brilliant. Because actually, I, I got thinking about the coronation. And uh, I want to tell, tell a story. This is, we're heading towards the last few. Um, last few, probably the last couple of weeks in this series, it's been a little bit disjointed over the last few weeks uh, with being away. I'm on what I call Rise. You know, I've been looking at how we need to deal with the things in our, in our thinking that stops us receiving grace upon grace in our lives. Do you, you know what I mean by that? Uh, what are the things that stop us from receiving God's goodness and God's grace? And what I want to talk about this morning is when you think that you're not enough. Because many of us sitting in this room, it's great to be in worship and it's great to be in church, but oftentimes we think that we're not enough and we're not good enough. And am I enough to be able to receive? And, and, and it's, it's, you, look, you can go give the Sunday school answer to being here today. Of course I'm enough. Absolutely I am. You know, praise Jesus. He loves me. And then whenever circumstances, and you're not standing in, in the church and circumstances on a wet Tuesday, uh, start to press in. And then what happens is the doubts start to come, don't they? What, anyone? Well, they do for me. So all you super Christians out there, let me just tell you what it's like to be normal, all right? So, so you start to doubt, and you start, anyone? And you start to go, flip me. Um, is this actually true? Is this for somebody else? Will I ever see the, full, like the fullness of God, the goodness of God in the land of the living? Like, or is there something else? And so I want to speak into that today, because there's a great story, which is kind of around anointing. And I'm going to explain what that means, but... Um, the heart, that's, that's the heart of today, uh, because I, I believe Psalm 23, 6, I've been reading Psalm 23 this week, and Psalm 23, um, 6 starts with surely goodness and mercy. It's this Hebrew word, haset, and it means surely grace shall hunt me down 
all right? Uh, the word follow in Hebrew is stronger than more, more, you know, when it says God's goodness and God's mercy, or in this word, God's grace will will follow you. Surely his grace will follow you. It actually is just not kind of like this kind of walking behind you. It's like this idea of every day, what the Lord wants you to see is that his grace pursues and hunts you down. There is a vigor from God that you will walk in his goodness and see his grace. Do you know that? I mean, it's not just he kind of thinks it's a good idea. He is absolutely, with all of his might, pursuing us every day for a grace encounter. And so I want to say whenever, that's the Lord's heart every day. And then that some of us go, but I'm not enough. I'm still not enough. And so what I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about anointing. I'm going to teach you a little bit today. So you're going to need to listen and maybe take some notes because there's, some, there's a, a brilliant story that we, we know but I want to show you how Jesus is reflected into this story. It's about when David is called, when King David, well, he's Shepherd David, but he's, he, he's a shepherd who becomes a king. And so it, it, it used to be, did I ever tell you I went to Israel? Did I ever mention that? Just throwing that out, all right? I don't know if I did, and, uh, but I've been to Israel a few times. And one of the things that, that I, I was really impressed with, that when I say impressed with, like made an impression on me, was the whole thing of, of the olive and, and how they harvest it. And one of the brilliant things about Israeli farmers is they are some of the most technologically creative and innovative in the whole world. And uh, it's amazing how you see just how they're able to take a very barren land and make it incredibly prosperous. And like literally when you look at the, the you know, when you go up to Golan and you look at the, where the border stops and they've got Syria and Lebanon, and literally it's just like lines and there's a UN place in the middle. And like Israel is verdant green and lush, Right? literally producing crops and fruit. And, and 10 feet away on the other side of the peace bit, it's desert. It's incredible. You literally go, hold on a wee second, look at what's going on. Did somebody paint that in? And that's what it looks like. And so they, they, they've been able to develop all of these mad ways of d- deriving the biggest benefit from what God has given them. Now, why am I telling you that? Well, here's what's really interesting. Like Jesus, when he, we, we need to, we need to take the full benefit of Jesus' work for us. Do you get that? Not just a wee bit of it. God doesn't want you living around the edges of his finished work. He wants you enjoying the fullness of what Jesus did. Okay, do you hear me in that? And he will hunt you and pursue you and vigorously go after you so that you walk into the whole work of Jesus. And so don't settle for less just because you go, I'm not enough or I'm not good enough. Religion will have told you that. Anyone like, who's been around like, religion for five minutes, most of the time, because it centers on you and what you do, you're always left with a sense of I'm not good enough. And so therefore, God is angry. God is upset. God is just, do you know that thing of, you can deal with people being angry with you, but remember the, the words I used to hate were, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I remember there was a guy called Marty Tom who taught me, I went to Bangor Grammar, and Marty Tom's a Christian, and he's a lovely guy, and he lives in East Belfast to this day, but he caught me saying a naughty word when I was in first form in the corridor in school. Now, he went to our church. That's what made it even worse. Now, what, right? And do you know what, do you know what was really unjust about it? I wasn't even, well, well, I, well, I was, I have to take responsibility. I did, I did say the naughty word, but I was only quoting somebody else who'd said the naughty word. Now, Marty's nickname, as he knows, was Jesus because he looked like Jesus, right? He had the beard and all. And so what happened was, I remember him bringing me into the, he was a geography teacher, bringing me in to the room and he sat me down. And he went, 
sat on the desk with me there, like a wee first former, wee tubby first former as I was, bowl cut, looking up, thinking, oh no, he's going to tell my man da that I was saying the S word, right? <laughs> so, but he looked at me and went, Andrew, what are we going to do? I'm like going, this boy's a bit of a weirdo actually, what do you, just shout at me and get it over and done with. And he went, and he just said, you know, when I walk past you, I can just say nothing else other than I'm really disappointed. And I was like, oh. <laughs> slap me, put me up against the wall, tell me I'm a sinner, tell my man that, but don't tell me you're disappointed. Because it was just like, you cut me deep Shrek, you know what I mean? You cut me deep Shrek, right, right through. Do you know what I mean? Because the thought of somebody being disappointed with you is like, it's worse than them being angry. They get over angry, but disappointment seems to linger. And, and religion will tell you, God's just disappointed. There's just this disappointment. You're never, you're not enough. No matter what you give, no matter what you serve, no matter how many times you turn up, no matter how many times you promise Jesus you're going to be better, you're just not enough. I want to tell you this morning, there is so much more for you today because one of the things is, um, what I want to talk about today is there, there's, a, there's, this, there's this word called anointing, right? Which is really interesting. And anointing tells you that you're enough because of God's grace in your life. And anointing is not an old-fashioned word. It's not a word that we, I, I just want to show you what it's like because whenever an olive was harvested, okay, uh, in, the, in, the, in the old, um, you know, back in the, in the Old Testament days, actually into the New Testament days as well, what happened is they would, they would use every single bit of it. Let me just explain, all right? So what happens is whenever it's a picture of Jesus, so the olive is always a picture of Jesus. And what happens is in a process of getting the fullness of everything out of an olive, it goes through three different processes. Now, there's a thing in the Shabbat, the Sabbath, in Psalm 92, it's called the Song of Shabbat. And what they sing every, every weekend is, you have poured over me, listen to me, fresh oil. And fresh oil in, in Hebrew is ranan, okay? And it, it means green, okay? And green, it speaks, in the Bible, speaks of grace and speaks of the new covenant of grace. And so what happens is, is this, is that when the, 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 when the, the first press of an olive the first bit of olive oil that comes out is green in color, and it's, and it's ranan, and it's the freshest bit of the olive. Now, what did they use it for? They used that for a couple of things. Number one, the, light, the, the lights in the tabernacle, but also it was used, the first press was used to anoint the kings of the day. So a bit like Charles yesterday. You know that bit where he goes behind the screens, Right? Actually, he's anointed with oil. Now, I don't know if it's Renan in the first press, but if back in, the, in biblical days, that's what it would have been. They take the olive, they press it one time, and as the olive oil pours out, that is collected. They light the, the tabernacle with it, but it was also used at that time to take somebody and to put them into the position of a king. Now, the second press is interesting. I'll just tell you this in case you don't know it. So where do we see that in Jesus? Well, in Gethsemane is the first pressing of Jesus as he goes towards the cross. He's pressed in the darkness, okay? And the second was at the scourging post. And, and what happens is when you press an olive for the second time, what comes out is a bit more of other stuff. It's not just as clear and as clean. And that is used in, for medicine. It's used uh, for healing products and all that kind of stuff. 
And there's the picture of Jesus at the second pressing at the scourging post where his body is ripped. Why? So that we could be healed. Does that make sense? And then the third scourging, obviously, or the third uh, pressing of Jesus is on the cross where he deals with the weight of our sin. The third pressing of the olive is, is, is used um, for cleansing products, right? So the whole picture of the cross and then the third thing where he's... And, and we've done this. We've stood and cleaned our faces with the stuff that comes, you know, in the Golan Heights. It's amazing. All right, so there's these three pictures of Jesus. But I want to I just look at the first one today because it's going to show you why grace matters. This first press of oil was used to anoint the kings. It was what moved somebody from a position, right, of being a nobody into a position of ruling and a person of authority. And that's what the covenant of grace does for you. It takes somebody who the world says is a nobody, who religion says God is disappointed with you, and it puts you into a position where the Lord says today, you are now, as I am, so are you, right? In this world, and you're called to reign like a king. All right? Now, I'm going to tell you why that matters to you. Because it tells us lots of things. This is what grace does. It tells us that it's not what we have done or not what we're planning to do. It tells us that our our shame is not true. Our guilt is not true. The accusations are not true. It tells us that that sense of unworthiness is not true. It tells us that we deserve, we we get all that God was pouring out on Jesus, okay? It's ours now. And he, he loves us and he wants to bless us and pursue us and hunt us down. Grace shows us Jesus and says, just as he is, so are you right now. And that work of anointing, I want to show you in David's life what happens is, is it takes him from being forgotten about ordinary and rejected to one whose very line Christ would come through. You know, if you're not feeling good enough today, that's why you need to receive more of God's grace into your life. And you need to recalibrate and rethink about just the position that you're in today. Because as you, whatever position you see yourself in, there goes your life. Do you get that? If you believe that God's disappointed with you, you're going to live a subpar existence in faith. It'll torture you, actually, because you hear week after week that God is good, God is loving, God is faithful. God wants to bless. God wants you to be favored. And if your mental track is, but I'm not good enough, you'll end up not making it. Do you get that? Because the disappointment at some stage will become too much. The mismatch between what I hear and what I live, at some, at some point there's a tipping point. Okay? And so what we need to do today is say, Lord, show me again from your word what happened. Because this, do you know what the word to anoint means? The, the root of the word to anoint? Because whenever Jesus says, I'm going to anoint you as a king, Right? This is what it says in Romans 5, 17. You will reign, Basilio, you'll have the reign, the position of a king, right? In Romans 5, those who have received, we sang it, those who have received grace will reign in life, right? And that word, Basilio, means to reign as a king. And so what happens is, well, how do you, this is how we can start to join up the word. Like Paul didn't write those words to the Romans just because, Because he knew that the picture was back in the day that the position that we now hold in Christ is that of Creo, C-H-R-I-O. So to anoint is not some kind of spooky thing, you know? You know, it's like, sometimes I get a bit funny about the word anointing because it's like, oh, there's such an anointing there. Do you know that? And it's almost being made spooky. Have you ever? He's so anointed. (laughs) I kind of go, is he? Or is she? I don't know. Is that too, is that too much? 
But I, look, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what happens. Because it's not about feeling, you see. I've, I've sat in worship. Like, I've been doing this my whole, my whole life, right? There's such an anointing in that meeting. I was in the middle of it, right? Everyone else, like, saving Private Ryan, as I said. And I'm standing there going, is Jesus even real? Right? Where's the anointing? Right? I've been in meetings where the whole, you know, and the whole church goes down like dominoes, and I'm like, what's, what's wrong with them? Now, you could be looking at me going, that's because you're not actually saved. And I'll go, that's fine, right? I have to take out one on the chin. But what I'm saying is, if anointing was just about feeling, then I'm telling you what, we're all in trouble. Do you get that? Anointing is not about feeling it in a moment. Anointing is a change in your position, creo, where he makes you, creo is the root of the word Christ. So when you are anointed, you are made like Christ. Now, on your good days, your bad days, when you feel it, when you don't feel it, it doesn't change the truth. And actually, as a guy that I like very much says, the facts don't really care about your feelings because the facts are that creo means anointing, means when grace is received, you have been transported from here into the possession of a king. Now, there's a, there's a really big important... Is that making sense? There's, it's important because... Um, well, let, let me, shall I show you from David why this really matters to you? In 1 Samuel 16, we read the story of Samuel, who's the prophet. And Samuel, um, we all know the story of Samuel, right? Samuel and all that. And, um, Samuel. <laughs> Samuel, I know. Samuel. So what happens is... Uh, People want a king, and they, they go for Saul, right? And uh, Samuel is the prophet, is God's representative between him and the people. Um, like, so Saul's the king, and Saul turns out to be not so great, right? I'm just summarizing a whole bit of the Bible here. Let's just say Saul wasn't great, and uh, maybe wasn't, well, it was probably God's, you know, anyway, I'm not going into that one. But Samuel's regretting what he's done. Samuel's looking past, because he, he's a man of God. He's the anointed prophet. Like, he should have known better, shouldn't he? Like, what, his whole job was to hear God and to make sure that people didn't get into trouble. You know what I mean? Like, and he has monumentally screwed up on this one. It's like, you make wee mistakes, and I make wee mistakes, right? This was the guy who was... Le- it's a bit like if they pulled the curtains back yesterday, and Harry came out, and they went, oh, no, we've anointed the wrong one controversial, right? But can you imagine? That would have put the cat amongst the pigeons. Ooh, here we've got the wrong one. What happened? We'll see some of you don't like that. Right? I'm just trying to give you an idea of when they, when they anointed Saul, and now things aren't working out. So in 1 Samuel 16, like we see a guy who's deep. He's so deep in regret right now. Anyone here got regret? Okay. Anyone looking back? going, Phew, what if? Why did I do that? If I, could, if I could go back, I would do it all differently. Yeah? Okay, let's read. First Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn? How long will you grieve over Saul? How long are you going to grieve over the decision that you made? How long are you going to keep looking at your mistakes and letting them torture you today? 
How long are you going to let them take up space in your head? How long are you going to let yourself be robbed of your future because of something that happened yesterday that you can't change anyway? All right? That's what the Lord's saying. Since I've rejected him from being king over Israel, so fill up your horn with oil and go. I love this. Fill up your horn with oil and go. Now, some of us need to hear this this morning because this prophet himself was weary. He had messed up. And, you know, what happens is that when we are not receiving the fresh oil of God's, God's grace, when we're not mindful and keeping our heart in the place of knowing where our position is, we start to go stale and we start to get so inward. And what happens is when you're not looking at Jesus, right, and your eyes are not on where he has positioned you every day, when you let everything else and everyone else make up who you are and where you are, what happens is it's not just that you look in yourself, you tend to look back. You tend to go backwards. There's the regrets, the maybes, the what-ifs, keeping ourselves bound by the mistakes and the feelings of yesterday. You know, we say to ourselves, well, flip me, if I could go back and make it different, we would, right? And, and I, I guess some of us would behave different in some way, but some of us wouldn't. We kind of kid ourselves that we would do it all differently anyway. And perhaps it would. Now, what happens when the Lord, if you're in that place today and you go, I'm not enough because of that, what does the Lord speak in? What does the Lord speak in to Samuel here? He says, the Lord speaks. And he doesn't go, you know what, Samuel, you're right. What were you thinking? Let's sit down and talk this one out because, hello, does he? I can't see it. He's not sitting there going, honestly, you were given that opportunity. You were given that opportunity. And for goodness sake, I give you that. And you should have known that. And you listened to that sermon and you heard, read that book. You had all the knowledge. So why did you mess it up? Tell me, Samuel, because just like Marty Tom, I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I can remember to this day, sat in the desk in a room, tarred over me. <laughs> That's not what the Lord says, is it? Some of us think that. God's focus is always about your future. And God is not focused on your past and what you did. Somebody needs to say yes and amen. amen. If you had a great past, do you know what the Lord says to you? Brilliant. Today I'm hunting you down with more. I'm pursuing you with more. It's not that all the past is bad, but every single one of us once you, at any particular age, we know, we know that we know there's stuff where we go, if I could do it again. But where, okay, it says there's stuff that we mourn over that we grieve over. He actually gives us a choice this morning. And he kind of goes, what about you? It's up to you. Why? Because I have a fresh anointing oil for you today. A fresh anointing of grace for you today. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You see, whenever Samuel was down in the dirt... Regret, and, and, and like, like I say, like Samuel, Samuel, okay? <laughs> it's the calling of Samuel. It's good, isn't it? Do you like that? Should be on the stage, Samuel. And uh, Samuel. And so what happens is, he, um, you know, like, like I've said, this, this is a guy of position. This is a guy of position. But the Lord says, so he's got his eyes on himself. And he, he, the Lord said, but I've seen the future. I've seen what I'm going to do. 
I've seen the king who will bring my son to the world. I've seen your future of blessing, protection, prosperity, and safety. I've seen this. You know that God made provision for, for your blessing before you even messed up. Can I say that to someone? You're worrying about looking backwards and going, oh, not enough. And what happened? And the Lord said, I had already made provision for your blessing before you screwed up in the first place. That's a word for somebody. We need a change in perspective. He had already made a way. He had already made forgiveness. He had already planned roads of favor and blessing for you, even before you got to the stage of thinking that you could, you could mess it all up. You know your sin is not going to outdo God's grace in your life. Because in Christ, what happens is, the more we mess up, the more grace abounds. It's ridiculous. It's scandalous, the nature of God's grace. It offends the religious, and it offends the, the performance keeping in us. But it's absolutely incredible. So you know what? When you get to this week and you start to go, oh, but what about? And the devil starts to put it in your head. But what about? You can say, do you know what? He had already provided anointing for me before I even was there in my mess. Isn't that brilliant? Anyway, let's keep going. And so he says, I've chosen you. So what happens is, I have chosen is what the Lord says. So let's keep going. First Samuel 16, 6 and 7. So they come along. So like this whole thing of fill up your horn with oil is amazing. And I'll come to it in a wee, in a wee second, all right? So the, the, there's a point of going, what, what, what's the, why would he be filling up his horn with oil, right? The horn, it was literally a horn that was hollowed out, okay? And they would pour Ranan, the first press of the olive, into the, into the horn. So what, what the Lord was saying, I should have explained this, sorry before we move on to this, but so what he was saying is, like, I, either be miserable looking at something that I don't even look at when I've prepared all of this. So you fill, up your, fill yourself up with grace and get on with it. Move into the future, that's what the Lord's saying. Does that make sense? Fill up your horn with oil is the picture of the first press, right? Fill up your life, your heart, your mind, your thinking, and everything else with a knowledge and an experience of God's grace in your life and keep going forward. Keep moving forward. Keep progressing forward. That's what he says to you today. Why? Because all he has got is goodness and mercy and favor and blessing, grace upon grace every day. Keep moving forward. It's your choice, all right? So then what happens is this. When they came, it says he looked on Eliab and thought, this big lad, surely the Lord's anointed is before him, all right? One of the brothers. So they get all the brothers out. You know the story, and you know, it's a bit like, yep, no, not sure, okay, all right? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart, now, what happens here is, let me just tell you about David very quickly and the position that David finds himself in at this moment. Because David is the shepherd. And uh, so what that means is, he's kind of even over, he's overlooked by his family. Shepherds had a rough deal back in the day. He had been forgotten about. So whenever religion is, and, and the world and people who judge are looking for those to go, oh, it must be you, you're anointed, right? Right? Isn't it interesting that Samuel used that word? He must be the anointed one. Why? Because of what I see in front of me. And the Lord goes, you have no clue what anointing looks like, Samuel. Let's not make the same mistake again. 
Anointing is not what you see on the outside. It's what God has done on the inside of you. So do you know the people who point the finger at you, who judge you, who have said words over you, who have written, you know, have said because of your past, you'll never have a future, okay? Like, or even people, you know, that you, you can just say, you can't judge me on that because God is judging me on something else. And what is he judging me on? Creo. I'm like Christ. All right? That's what anointed, that bit of anointing means. Okay, so, so, and so, so David is, is, has been forgotten about. He's not even in the list. He hasn't even made the list. Isn't that crazy? So even in the eyes of the people closest to him, he's unqualified. You know, being a shepherd was dirty and dangerous work. It, the, and, and not just it was dirty and dangerous. We're told that David had to learn to fight the lions and the bears, right? He had to learn to fight the lions and the bears because there were lions and bears around. He didn't go looking for them. It meant that, like he could have died most days because he had to defend the flock and defend the sheep. So it was dirty. It was dangerous work. It was very dirty work. You know that they were ceremonially unclean shepherds? They were kept away from the temple so that, uh, because they would never be seen as clean. What that means is religion judged them and said, you will never be okay before God. You'll never be able to receive from God. Literally, the poo got under their fingernails. You can read about it. They would take the maggots from the, from the head of the sheep, right? Also, it was dirty, stinking work. All right. So religion and tradition told them, because of what you do, you're not good enough. And because of what you have done, David, your whole life, you're not good enough. You're excluded. And do you know what's it's interesting? You know, so from the outside, they're dirty and they're excluded. Do you know what that would mean? Do you know what I love about grace? You know that shepherds were never allowed to testify in court. Because they were such outcasts, even if they witnessed a murder or something like that, they would never be called to be a witness in court because of their position. Who did Jesus first announce the king of kings to? The shepherds. Oh, I love it. Have you ever noticed why it was shepherds in a field? Washing their socks by night. <laughs> Something like that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, it's not that. What is it? You know what I mean? Isn't it amazing? Although God, so God says, look, the whole world's rejected you, but you're going to be the first people to testify that the king is born. Isn't it amazing? He just takes human wisdom, completely flips it on his head, and goes, waha, to, the, to, to what everyone, well, that's what I think the Lord does, right? Whoa, to worldly wisdom. Isn't he amazing? Come on, some of you lighten up and have a laugh in God's house this morning. And this is, what, this is why we need that fresh oil of God's grace, Jesus himself. Because when people want to reject you because of what you have done, grace reaches right in and holds you and says, no, I choose you for anointing. That's what grace does. And then the Lord says, verses 12 and 13, the Lord says, arise, anoint him, for this is he, talking about David. Then Samuel did what? He took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Isn't it interesting, everything that David's gonna do in his life, you know, the highs and the lows and everything in between, that he experienced so much grace, didn't he? He was a rapist and a murderer, folks. How do you know that? Well, you know the whole thing of taking Uriah's wife, right? She wouldn't have had a choice. The king said, come here and come into my chamber. You didn't go, nah, you're all right. 
don't, I like you, but not in that way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That was not the conversation that would have been had. So when David said, I'm going to have you, he let, there was no discussion. He raped her. And then he murders one of like, his best guys to cover it up. But what, and you're thinking, oh my goodness. But what happened at this point was what did Samuel, what's the picture that we see in Samuel? He had filled up his oil with the picture of grace. And at the start of David's journey into that, that place of being a king, he was anointed with oil. The grace of God was poured out over him. There was a provision of grace before he even messed up. And that's in the Old Testament. Do you get that? That's the Old. And the Word tells us how much more to us in the new covenant of God's grace, how much more does He love us? Isn't it amazing? The pictures that Jesus shows you. It's like we just think, uh, anyway, so Samuel took the horn of oil. So this is the bit where Samuel, had, where the Lord said, look, make a choice, right? Keep yapping and gurning over your past. I've got a future. I'm going to use you. I've got grace. So fill up your life with my grace and then anoint people in the midst of his brothers. Isn't it interesting? I've got to tell somebody here this morning that there are, you know, you have probably, many of us have experienced this. You've been in a position where the, the people either closest to you or people who know you have made judgments over you, said words over you, and a bit like, you know, you were almost forgotten about, all right, or discounted. But what happens is, see, whenever God pours his grace on you, whenever God pours his anointing on you, people are going to see it. All right? So don't keep your back in the past. Don't keep your eyes looking that way. Those who spoke against you, it says, in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed on him. Somebody needs to say, yes, I believe it. And it's not to go, yeah, boo, who sucks to the people around you. It's to go, Lord, you're going to restore not just what was stolen from me, my reputation, you're going to restore it. My name, you're going to restore it. My standing, you're going to restore it. And I'm going to walk into everything that you have for me. Amen? Good. In the presence of his brothers. Like, his brothers aren't bad. Can we get that? This is not like a... His brothers aren't bad, but whatever the... You know, it's a bit like he lays a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's always something public about God's restoration. Do you hear me? Always something public about his restoration. You've got to receive that today, some of you. Now, David's going to walk in to his, his calling, but you know what happens in that moment? I love this. God takes a shepherd, and he makes him a king. God takes a shepherd, and with the anointing of grace that shepherd becomes a king in that moment. Stop living like shepherds when God has called you to be a king. Amen? Amen? Stop living like shepherds when you're called to be a king. I honestly believe that's a word for you this morning. I believe that when you think, I'm not enough, what, where do you go? Where do you turn? What do you look to when you go, I'm not enough? When everything that is in my past nips at my heels or is right in front of me, when you feel like a shepherd, when you've got the dirt under your fingernails, when you, you know, like, it feels like the whole thing of testifying, I didn't explain it, but I'll do it very quickly. It's like even when I say stuff, nobody wants to listen. 
Why? Because they've judged who I am. And the Lord goes, hold on. Have you, have you ever felt that? Gee, I've felt that a thousand times in the last six months. What's the point of me opening my mouth here? Nobody wants to listen anyway. And the Lord goes, hold on. I am choosing you to announce to the world that the King of Kings is here. Oh, do you get it now? And that's not true. That's choosing you. He's chosen the shepherds to appear to them, to testify that the King of Kings is here. Isn't he amazing? He's here. Something about that anointing. Something about that anointing that changes you forever. And you know what? It's not the shivery feelings. It's not the charismatic moment. It's not the will o' the wisp fleeting in and out. Oh, there was a bit of anointing there. Did you feel it? <laughs> no. Wick. I missed it again. It's not that. Do you, know what, do you know what your anointing is? It's the promise of Christ himself. That as he is, so are you. It's a gift. Amen. Every day, every, absolutely destined to reign. It's where he says to you today, stop looking at yourself as a shepherd when I've made you a king. You're more than enough. Close your eyes for me and let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we want to settle our hearts in this place this morning and say thank you for your word of grace. Thank you that we, this morning, Lord, though our feelings and people and circumstances and all that may try to shape us into living like shepherds, Lord, Father, I thank you that your word over us this morning is don't mourn any more. Don't grieve any more. Those days are done. Fill up your horn with oil, with the first press, with Jesus and his grace, and go. I pray right now, I just get such a sense in this place this morning. Lord speaking to some people and saying enough is enough don't partner anymore with the lies of the past don't partner anymore with guilt make a decision that grace calls you up that grace is reaching right in to you today and showing you turning you forwards to go I have anointed you as a king to declare to this world that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is grace, that they can be changed forever, that the King has come. The King of Kings has come. And so, Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, in this moment, for chains to be broken, for lies to be broken, for fears to be broken, for anxieties to be broken, right now, in Jesus' name, in this beautiful, peaceful way that you move in us, Lord. We thank you right now that you're breaking that off your people. And Father, we thank you for a fresh revelation of grace, a fresh revelation of favor in this place. Father, I thank you 
that your word says in Romans 5, that those who have, you know, received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Lord, that's us this morning. We've received an abundance of grace and we've received the free gift of righteousness. And it says then that we will reign in life through the one. We will live like a king. Not subject to the world, not subject to principalities and powers, but the king sits in a place of rest over those things. That's you and us, Jesus. As you are at this very moment, Lord, seated at the right hand of your Father, in a place of all authority, in a place of rest, in a place of a finished work. Jesus, that's what you say to us. Reign like that. So, Father, I pray that over every heart and every mind. Jesus, I pray today for fresh hope, for fresh vision, for fresh excitement. I pray today, Lord, that hope would rise and faith would rise in this church. Lord, that we would see called in this covenant of your grace that we are called to declare to this world that Jesus is alive and he loves them. To see people brought from darkness into light. To see lives transformed, hearts healed, sicknesses and diseases healed. To see people walk into the future, walk into the eternity that you died to bring them Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. We're not shepherds, we're kings. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? Worship, guys. Are you encouraged this morning? Well, here's what I want us to do. I want us to um, worship together with a song. We've got plenty of time. And... uh, You know, there's things that maybe the Lord put in your heart there or showed you or brought to mind. And you can use this song as a declaration, as a statement over your life that I'm not looking this way anymore. I'm going this way into the future that you have for me. And as we worship, we're going to worship through our offering and through our giving. Let me tell you that matters. In the days that we live in where... It's just, there's, there's fear in everything. You know, you know the, the Lord has freely given you all things. You know, before you have a need, he's already met it. Let me say it again. Before you have any need, he's already met it. He's already provided for you. We believe in generous giving in this church. We believe in sowing into the mission of God's grace. We believe saying that, you know, Lord, when we give, Remember, when we give 10%, when we tithe and we give our offerings, the Lord sees that as the whole. And he's provided for you. So he says, look, why would you want to live taking the weight and the burden of, of provision in these days versus living in the goodness and the favor of God where I'm your source? So Father, we choose that today. And we give generously and we sow generously. Lord, to your work to bring grace to the world. Amen.